Hi, I'm Rob and you're listening to the Teacher Planning Podcast. I'm here to simply help guide you towards quality, variety and consistent development as a teacher. You may have been teaching for 20 years or you may have been teaching for 20 days, but in my opinion, you never stop learning. The day you stop learning is the day the education system is failing. One thing you need to remember when listening to this is that you need to be open-minded. What works for someone else might not work for you and what works for you might not work for someone else. We're all here to share ideas. So enough of me talking, here's the pod. So in today's episode, I'm joined by PE teacher, Josh. And Josh is a teacher based in the Leeds area and has been teaching for three years now. How's it going, Josh? Yeah, very well, thank you, Rob, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much, very well. Now, this lesson we've been talking about today, I'm, I'm really intrigued because normally this podcast would be based on proven lessons, lessons that you might have taught for one, two, three, four, or five years. But you've not actually taught this lesson yet, Josh, have you? Uh, no, planning for September. Yeah, so you're planning for September. And there's a reason Josh hasn't actually taught this one is because as a PE teacher in this year, 2020, the job as a PE teacher is going to be very slightly different. So we're coming into September and like myself, Josh as a PE teacher is not really sure what he's got in store for him. And at this moment in time, we're having to plan for non-contact. So there goes your rugby, there goes your football, potentially for the girls, there goes your netball. So Josh is going to talk to us today about an orienteering lesson. Now, before you talk to us about this particular lesson, Josh, I want you to give us a bit of context about the school, the setting that you're in, how long the lesson is and so on. Yeah, um, the school's based in North East Leeds, relatively affluent area um, of Leeds, but in competition with a number of quite good schools that have historically been seen as better than the school I'm at. Um, but what I would say is we are rapidly improving. Um, we were offsted this year, which was an experience in itself. And it was originally requires improvement and we actually got good on this inspection, um, which is obviously really pleasing. But because there are some, you know, really outstanding schools in the area, I'd say that the demographic of student is quite mixed and we're quite ethnically diverse. But in terms of kind of PE and stuff like that, I think it's really valued at my school. Um, I've I've been really, really happy there since starting. We've got a really strong department and uh, the students value PE as, as a place to learn rather than just a place to kind of, let off steam and and play football with the friends which is good. Our lessons are 55 minutes we've just changed um, the whole timing of the school day um, to incorporate uh, a a reading program at the end of the day Um, so our lessons have been shrunk down to 55 minutes um, which can be a little bit quick for for PE sometimes Um, but from September due to kind of the coronavirus and everything like that our students are arriving to school in their PE kit if they have PE which obviously should save uh, changing time a little bit which will probably give us more time than we had last year because some of them like to take a while to get changed as I'm sure you'll know. Yeah well for some students you're saving 15 minutes of the lesson there. Exactly and you're saving all the issues with kit as well so it should be a really good move. So instead of being late to your lesson they'll just been 15 minutes late to school. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> uh, probably with socks missing and shorts missing and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Or as we had another PE teacher previously talk about, they'll probably turn up to school wearing a gum shield and yeah, exactly, they'll, uh, yeah. have hockey stick in hand and so on. <laughs> um, anyway, so we've given a bit of context to the school, to what the students are like. I'm just going to let you talk about this lesson now. 
Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you would normally start off. Have you got the objectives for this lesson? Yeah, so any objective with an orienteering lesson, I think, is, is to kind of, for students to develop and demonstrate teamwork uh, skills mixed with a little bit of communication, some decision making, some problem solving, and some basic map skills. I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, we're not using a compass or anything like that, but it is a little bit of using a map to navigate your way around the school building. But for us, the value is more placed on kind of the teamwork and the decision making because ultimately they're going around the school site so it's not a tricky map that they don't know and um, so I'd say the value is, is more placed on on kind of that element of problem solving that element of decision making um, of teamwork and stuff like that which we think are really important and um, life skills like I said to you previously we did it last year anyway so obviously orienteering is going to be the new normal in PE probably for the first term but we actually delivered it last year anyway and um, so we did have some experience of how it runs and stuff like that and it's something that we do value like I say. You've given your learning objectives talk to us about the actual lesson now how would it work what sorts of timings would you be working on? Uh, yeah so probably in the first orientation lesson we get into groups and they stay in those groups throughout uh, which again saves a little bit of time in the change room and uh, they know exactly who they're meant to be working with and, and where they're meant to be sitting and stuff like that. For you how many would you have in a group? Probably no more than three or four. Um, it depends on the group sizes. So last year when we delivered it, we did it with two boys groups together, which obviously meant there's quite a lot of students. But it also meant that there's two members of staff, staff in the school, which, which helps. But obviously this year, because of the social distancing element, it's probably just going to be one group. Um, our group sizes can range from, from 18, if you're lucky, to probably about 30. So you, you're looking at group sizes of three. For this activity, I, I want no more than eight groups. So it might have to be four. Um, just because I couldn't be bothered making more than eight <laughs> players per activity. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay, so I'll, I'll let you carry on now. So you've you've set the children down, you've got them in their groups. What Where would you go to next? So the, the first thing is kind of laying out the expectations and, and obviously explaining what, what, what is required of them for the lesson. This idea came to me kind of two, for two different reasons. Firstly, um, and this is something that I think you can apply in any subject, the idea of using a hook that students are interested in to kind of get them to do what you want to do. Um, so, for example, some of our students are not massively engaged about orienteering. You know, they'd rather be doing football, they'd rather be doing rugby. So my idea was to incorporate football into an orienteering lesson, um, which is why it's based around the Premier League. And the second kind of reason I came up with this lesson was last year, although our orienteering um, scheme of work went really well, Students didn't seem to be that engaged with kind of finding something uh, around the school site and just, just writing it down on their worksheet or for whatever. So they didn't seem to kind of love that. And, and you could probably understand that. Um, we don't often like pens and paper in, in PE in, in our school. Um, so my idea was to actually find, get them looking around the school and collecting things and actually bringing back certain elements, in, in this case, football players. Because um, I thought that would just be a little bit more engaging instead of just writing it down on a sheet there going to an envelope, having a look in the envelope, and they're collecting things for themselves, um, which I just thought was a little bit more engaging. Um, so like I say, it's based around the Football Premier League, and how I would set this out would be, like with all orienteering lessons, it does take quite a bit of planning, but you know, if you're going to deliver it, you're going to deliver it well, so you know, you've got to put that time into your planning and preparation. Basically, I would have 11 envelopes, and they would be laid out around the school site, and that would be what the students are ultimately looking for. Um, and in the 11 envelopes would be eight footballers. So, for example, in the first envelope, you'd find eight goalkeepers. 
and then the second one there'd be eight full backs, eight centre backs, etc. etc. So just um, to clar- just to clarify this, you've got the eight footballers in those different positions because yeah. you've got your eight groups. Yeah, so I was gonna technically in each envelope there'd be one player for each group. Um, so no more than eight groups, there's at least one player for each group. And like I say, it would take a little bit of preparation. You know, you've got to cut out the footballers from, from the, the sheet that I've, I've put on Twitter and, and put them in the envelopes. But with all our interior lessons, there's going to be some element of kind of planning in, in great detail. Um, so that's what I'd explain in the changing room. Basically, you're going to go to an envelope. You are going to have a look inside it, have a look what's inside and take out one of the players for your team and leave the envelope where it is. Now, there is a, a, an idea potentially that students could take two or put the envelope somewhere else. Um, which is kind of why last year and at the start of this year and all the start of our lessons, we really go into detail on our expectations. So of that 55 minute lesson, I'd probably spend 10 minutes in the journey room um, because there would be handing out of clipboards, handing out of maps and then really, really clear expectations based mainly around the fact that for some element of that lesson, they're probably going to be out of sight of the teacher. They're definitely going to be around the school site. And my expectations centre around the fact that there's loads of PE lessons going on outside, so PE teachers can see you, even if it's not myself. Um, and, and the best one is that they forget that the windows are open and uh, that the other staff members in, in the school can see them. And um, so it's just a reminder about that in terms of, you know, everything that you do is visible. Our school, from the inside of school, you can see out all over the grounds. And, and if you're kind of messing, we can see you. Um, so that would take about 10 minutes of that lesson to kind of lay out the expectations. Uh, and, and kind of explain the instructions to them. God, I was going to say, there would be a lot of PE teachers listening to this who would say, not a chance I would be able to do that lesson with my children because mm-hmm. they would just run riot, they would run out of the school, they would go and mm-hmm. knock on windows and see their mates in other lessons. But like you said, you've spending 10 minutes at the start of the lesson hammering into in the expectations for them. Mm-hmm. So they know exactly what will happen if they don't do what you're expecting of them, weren't they? Yeah, and it's, it's, for us, it's, it was important last year um, to hit home. You know, it's, it's a lesson, it's on our pre-curriculum, and it's going to be treated exactly the same as, as any other lesson in terms of the behaviour. And, and also in terms of the work that students get through, um, for some of them at the start, because they were completing a worksheet, let's say, they seemed to come back and they hadn't done much or they, you know, they thought it was acceptable handing a worksheet that was you know, half completed, which I found strange. And I used to explain to my students that it's easier to slack off in a football lesson than it is an orientation lesson when I'm collecting a worksheet in from you because I can physically see how much you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it was, it was just relaying expectations of that. So you know, using the school sanction system for punishing lack of work like you would do in any lesson. It's really important that your expectations don't slack off in PE or in orienteering compared to any other lesson. Uh, I think what you've just talked about there is that obviously PE sometimes gets a bit of a bad rep in some schools and and some teachers think that PE staff have it easy. But when you talk about applying the school policy, the school behaviour policy, I think you're showing consistency across the board and that's so important. Saying, well, you wouldn't do this in a math lesson. You Mm -hmm. wouldn't do this in a history lesson. So why should you do it in a PE lesson? So... Yeah. It's really good that you're bringing across the consistency there. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll let you carry on and talk about the rest of the lesson now. Yeah, so obviously I would explain to the students um, that the 11 envelopes have been laid out around the school. In each envelope, there's eight footballers, as, as we've talked about. 
And they'd go to an envelope, they'd have a look at what's inside and they'd take one player for their team. And they'd do that until they've found all 11 um, envelopes. They've got 11 players in their team. Um, and the premise is basically that the faster the teams work around their school and the quicker they find them, you would think the better choice of player that they would have. Um, and obviously they're trying to make the best team possible. So if they find four of the points really quickly, you would expect that, you know, the four best players in that envelope, that they could take them for their team and and, and put them in their team, which is why they would get um, the best rated team. Now, I did start to think about for the group that are struggling or that they can't find the envelopes quite as quickly. So I just kind of introduced a few different rules in there. So, for example, I put in a rule that if groups add players of the same nationality, then they can get a rating boost. So, for example, you might have a, a group that are really struggling and, and are kind of not very motivated because they're really slow at finding them. But then if they can start building together, I don't know, players from England that are not necessarily the best rated players, then they can get a rating boost for kind of having players from the same nationality. Um, so that's just a little bit of a, an incentive for, for those people. Orientation is quite a difficult one to differentiate. But one thing that we did last year and, and could definitely do with this lesson is is differentiate the map um, and that's something that we did last year a lot so for example for your lower ability students let's say you would give them more information on the map and for your higher abilities you take it away so for our higher ability students last year we just gave them a grid reference map so we give them a completely blank map with the actual grid reference lines on like you find on a, on a normal map and instead of giving them the precise points of each location we gave them the grid reference and they'd have to look around that whole grid reference and think about where it could be in there um, so that's just a nice easy way that you can differentiate it slightly that's a really good idea yeah i do just want to clarify something so you talked about the best players or the best rated players could you clarify again how you rate these players, please? Or is it subjective? Is it what you think is a good player? <laughs> yeah, so, so it was just, I, I could have put some Leeds players in, but I didn't want to predict that we'd be in the Premier League next year. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, I, I just picked um, eight top, the top eight in the current Premier League. I put together the, the players in that position. So, for example, the goalkeeper, I just picked their goalkeeper um, and put them all on the same page. And then out of those eight, I just rated them from 96 to 89. Just, I just on what I thought, really. You know, there's no, there's no science that's got into them. I also tried to make sure that all of the teams in that top eight had a really high-rated player to stop people just putting together, like, a Liverpool team or a Manchester United team. So there is a few dodgy ones where, you know, Leicester might have the best-rated player in that position just to kind of make it a little bit different. But, yeah, I just rated them on, on personal preference from 96 to 89. Yeah, that's really good. And... Where did you get the 96 to 89 from, just to clarify for people? <laughs> I actually have no idea. It, was, it started off as, as a FIFA idea, so basing the, the lesson around FIFA. Something that I've done before, because again, it's, it's what we said at the start about using a hook that you know students are interested in to kind of make your lesson more appealing to them. Um, so it did start off as like a FIFA, FIFA 2021 um, idea, which is probably where the kind of 96 rating came from. That's kind of a good rating in FIFA. Um, I don't really know why it's up with 96. Um, it just seemed to work. But I didn't want it to be the same throughout. So for every position, they're all the same rated. So it's 96 to 89. I think that's really good because, I mean, I was on a recent coaching webinar and people were talking about, as much as it's changed from what it used to be, they were talking about incorporating gameplay as if people were playing on the PlayStation and incorporating that sort of play into your PE lessons. Yeah. So kids can relate. Well, it makes perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing. it makes sense. You know, like I said, orienteering isn't for some of them is not, you know, the, the, the most exciting activity in the world because a lot of them are games players and they like their 
you know, the football and the rugby and, and they definitely like the video games in Key Stage 3. So it, it makes sense to me to incorporate, you know, elements of that into, into a more active P lesson if you can. And one of the other ideas I had is uh, I've done a lesson on based around Fortnite, the video game, which I hate, but obviously the students love it. Um, so there's an orientation lesson based around Fortnite, which if we've got time, I can discuss. Um, but that didn't seem to get the love on Twitter like the, the football one did. I don't know why. So. <laughs> okay, so I mean, we're talking about this lesson again. Let's talk about timing. So you're in it. We're in this fortunate case now where children come to the lesson already changed. Mm-hmm. You spent. You're probably spending what five minutes waiting for them all to arrive, gathering them together. Yeah. Ten minutes sat down, giving expectations, yeah. providing clipboards, and so on, explaining the task. So you got fifteen mm-hmm. minutes of the lesson there. Mm-hmm. How long would you let them go off for and find these Premier League players? Yeah, so we're following a one-way system, so it's probably going to take a little bit longer than five minutes to get to us, which is a little bit of a shame. But yeah, so let's say five to eight minutes for them to arrive. No changing time, so they'd be sat into their groups um, straight away. And like I say, about 10 minutes explaining expectations and talking about the lesson. So that probably leaves us with about 35 minutes, I'd say. Uh, Maybe a little bit longer, maybe 40 and then I'd probably let them go out for at least 20 to 25 minutes going out, out and around. And obviously that's really important for me then to position myself somewhere fairly central. You know, I can think tactically about that. And, you know, it's just the same as being in a classroom in any lesson. You know, you position yourself where you can see everything the best. Um, and with that, I've got to consider things like, is there a P lesson on the field? If there's a P lesson on the field, I don't really have to go down there because I know that one of my colleagues is kind of down there already. So I position myself somewhere central and then I'm there to kind of cudgel the learning and, and, and go around to groups and have a look at what they're doing and have a look at what players they've got and why they've picked those players. Um, I like to position myself around, maybe around where one of the envelopes are, so I can have a look at them finding it and kind of talk about, all right then, so are, are you going to add that player or this player and why? Um, and, and like I say, 25 minutes, 20 minutes where I'm almost sat back and, and, and watching the learning take place, which is really important. You know, students are going around sites. There might be a little bit of behaviour management. There might be a little bit of encouragement. Um, but that's about 20 to 25 minutes of them, you know, going around, finding these players um, and completing their team. And then I'd probably bring it all back together in the changing room and probably about at least 10 minutes, I would say, before the end of the lesson, bring them back together. And, and that's where we have a bit of a discussion about how did you work as a group today? What, what did you do and why? Which way around the map did you decide to go? Did you have a leader who, who hold the map and, and kind of directed the rest of the team where to go? Did you split up, which some of them like to do? Did one of you go over to that area of the school and find those players there? Um, or did you always stay together? Um, do you think you worked well as a team to, today and why? Um, and have those discussions with them about kind of how the lesson went and, and what they'd do next time to improve. Yeah, well, it sounds really good. And like I've said with other teachers, during this lesson, you're not actually doing that much yourself, are you? No. Um, I think your work has gone in to the planning aspect of this lesson. Some say that's what outstanding teaching is, that you shouldn't have to be working tirelessly during the lesson itself. The fact that you've planned this so well, it means that during the lesson, you can concentrate on behaviour management and really getting the children to think a bit further about what they're doing. Yeah, I think I think orienteering does lend itself to that anyway. Um, so obviously the fact that they're going around and, and the lesson is about them finding things does lend itself to kind of the teacher not being as busy, if we'd say, uh, in the lesson. But definitely there is an element of the fact that it's got to be really, really well planned. 
because you know you've got to make sure that at some stage in that day all the envelopes are out all the maps and the clipboards are ready because if, if it's not perfect and it's not set up um, to the best of your abilities you're wasting time that you just don't have in that lesson um, and I think it, it what I would say about this lesson is, and, and one of the reasons why I think that it's been so popular on Twitter is, is the quality of the resources. So I really spent time putting together some resources that looked really smart and professional. And I think that's really important for me because if the students know that you've put time into your resources and that they look good, I think they're more likely to kind of in, engage with it as well. Um, and, and that's applicable to any subject, you know, don't spend two minutes putting together a rubbish worksheet. You know, if you're going to plan a lesson, plan it well and, and make sure that it is looking smart and it is looking good because you know there's no point wasting time putting together you know a, a half good lesson you might if you're going to do something you might as well do it do it really well yeah well i mean you've, you've talked about this resource you put up on twitter would you be able to send it through to me and i could make it available for people yeah of course yeah that'd be really generous thank you a small logistical question i've got about this particular mm-hmm. lesson is what happens with the envelope after people have taken all the cards? Yeah, again, so this would have to be, this links into your planning. So the only way around this is you would have to have an envelope for every group. So for example, if you were delivering that four times that day, which you wouldn't, but if you were, you'd have to, in the in the week before the lesson or whatever, you'd have to, you know, the only way you could do it is to have four envelopes for four different groups, um, which obviously is a little bit of workload thing. Uh, but again, it links to the idea of if you're going to do this lesson, you, you're going to do it well and you're going to plan and, and prepare for it really well. My idea about kind of getting around it was you could lay out the envelopes for the next group while that group are going around. So again, it links to the idea of you could still be busy. So while your group are currently going around finding players, you could be laying out the envelopes for the next group, um, which obviously means you're kind of moving around the site as well and, and keeping an eye on the current group that are working. And um, that's something we did last year a lot. So kind of setting out the next lesson as, as the students are working on this lesson. Okay, so to be honest, I think this lesson is pretty self-explanatory. So I'm not, I don't need to ask any more questions, but one thing I am going to ask you today is the 30 second challenge. Mm-hmm. Now on the 30 second challenge, I'm just going to ask you to summarize the structure and the content of the lesson, surprisingly inside 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you ready? In three, two, one, off you go. Uh, this is a socially distanced orienteering lesson and um, it's 55 minutes in length and it's aiming to use the Premier League and football in a, in a way to hook students in to engage them with a, a lesson on something completely different. I would say that orienteering and in this lesson in particular is all about teamwork and communication, decision making. And in this lesson in particular, students have half an hour to go around communicating, using their teamwork skills to build the best Premier League team possible. 29-34. That was really good. That was really good. I think that that was absolutely brilliant. Like we said, it's it's a simple lesson, but the effort that you put into creating the resources before and getting the children engaged for that lesson, I think it's really good. And even if there's children in that lesson who may not play football or may not even like the players, the fact that you might have, I don't want to sound too judgmental, but some might say the nerdy ones they just love yeah. saying oh yeah i've got i've got a 96 and i've got yeah. a 95 so you, you're and i think in that way aren't you well that's what i meant about kind of the collecting element um which i thought you know does 
attract the interest of, of, of students. My original idea was something like, and it would have worked years ago, would like a Pokemon Go lesson where they're collecting Pokemon. You know, this idea of you could change this lesson and do it for a whole a whole range of topics. And um, for example, I've just started putting together one for our um, our girls teachers on with, with girl with women's footballers in. Um, but the concept of kind of having things in envelopes and collecting them, you could change to absolutely everything, you know, depending on your group and, and what you know your group like. I just picked football because I know that our school is, is football mad. The, you know, the lads absolutely love their football. But you could easily change this quite quickly to anything, you know. You, I, can't, I can't even think of an example off the top of my head. But, you know, anything where there's kind of a rating system or you're collecting something, you know, it could work for any group. Yeah, well, that sounds really good. And I mean, you've talked about yourself on Twitter and making a couple of resources available. Could you tell people where they could find you on Twitter? Yeah, my Twitter handle is jfiskpe. That's Fisk, F-I-S-K. So J-F-I-S-K-P-E. Okay, I'll put a, I'll put that up in the show notes so people have access to it and can find you easily enough. Josh, I mean, you say you've been teaching for three years. To be honest, it sounds like you've been teaching for 30 years. <laughs> I mean, well, so... Sorry, I'll clarify that. Some could take that as a dig. You're not, <laughs> you're not coming across as a as a dinosaur or a know-it-all. You sound, you're coming across very confident and yeah. you know exactly what you're doing. You've planned it. You know exactly how the children are going to react to this sort of thing. And it's really clear. So you, thank you very much for today. It's, it's really appreciated. No problem. Anytime. Brilliant. All the best, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's Teacher Planning Podcast. I really hope that this will help you in your practice and to ultimately help your students. If there are any subjects and topics that you would like to hear ideas on, please get in touch at teacherplan@outlook.com or reach out on Twitter or Instagram where you can find me at Teacher Planning Podcast. I would also love to hear feedback to give you the best listening experience possible. Keep educating, keep learning.